Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, and welcome to the Everyday Einstein's Quick and Dirty Tips to Making Sense of Science. Today we're going to talk about radiation. The word itself sounds ominous. It conjures up images of toxic waste fields and superheroes with strange powers. Most of the time, it isn't something that we think about unless we have to. Every once in a while, something happens that makes us think more about radiation. For example, the 2011 Tohoku earthquake and tsunami that led to the meltdown of one of the Fukushima nuclear reactors in Japan. The meltdown caused widespread concern about possible radiation poisoning as far away as California. But what exactly is radiation, and how does it poison you? Well, technically, any energy that moves through something, whether it's air, space, water, is called radiation. Light from the sun traveling through space, radio waves from your local station traveling through the air, even heat traveling from a hot iron into your hand are all forms of radiation. It's handy to sort the different forms of radiation based on how much energy each one contains. If you were to take all of these different forms of radiation in the universe and arrange them from the lowest energy level to the highest energy level, you would have what scientists call the electromagnetic spectrum, or EM spectrum for short. Radiation on the lower end of the EM spectrum, things like radio waves, heat, and visible light, are sometimes lumped together in a group called non-ionizing radiation. The nastier sounding things like ultraviolet rays, x-rays, and gamma rays on the high end of the EM spectrum are collectively called ionizing radiation. Now at this point you might be thinking, oh great, this radiation stuff is everywhere. It's only a matter of time before it gets me. Well fortunately, it's only the ionizing kind of radiation that leads to radiation poisoning and only in very large doses. This is the kind of radiation that the media is usually talking about when they mention things like radiation leak and irradiated superhero. Now you might have also heard the phrase radioactive decay thrown around in these news events. So what exactly is that and how does it factor into radiation poisoning? Well sometimes an atom will have too many neutrons in its nucleus, making it too heavy or unstable. We call this type of atom radioactive. And just like a middle-aged man who's stepping on a scale for the first time since his glory days in high school, these atoms have a strong desire to shed some of their particles in order to reach a stable form. This shedding of particles is called radioactive decay. In this process, an atom will break down either by shedding smaller bits of itself off or splitting into two, releasing excess particles and energy. Depending on the exact type of atom, atoms going through radioactive decay will emit or kick out alpha particles, which are a couple of protons stuck to a couple of neutrons, or beta particles, which are just stray electrons. They can also emit high-energy gamma rays during this process. These radioactive atoms will sometimes go through an entire series of changes in order to reach a stable form. Some of these changes can take years or just a fraction of a second. So now that you know what radiation is, let's talk about how it affects living creatures. 
Well, first of all, ionizing radiation has enough energy to break chemical bonds and knock electrons out of atoms. And this changes their net charge. You may remember from high school that atoms with missing or extra electrons are called ions. This is why this kind of radiation is called ionizing radiation, because it makes ions. Atoms prefer to have a net charge of zero, so charged ions can get a little bit cranky. So cranky, in fact, that sometimes we call them free radicals. These revolutionist atoms are much more likely to react with other atoms than their uncharged cousins. Since your body chemistry relies on a finely tuned set of chemical reactions to keep things in balance, having these radical ions around can cause quite a bit of chaos and damage inside your cells. If the damage is too severe, the cells will die, and if too many cells are destroyed or damaged at once, such as from a high dose of radiation in a short time period, entire organs can start to fail, eventually leading to death. This is called acute radiation syndrome, or more commonly, radiation poisoning. Now, if the damage isn't too severe or widespread, your cells typically have ways of repairing themselves. Unfortunately, sometimes these repairs can go wrong, which can still lead to cancer in the long term. So now that you're probably cowering in your closet trying to avoid your microwave, you might be wondering just how much radiation is too much. Well, this is where things get a bit fuzzy. For one thing, it's not the amount of radiation you're exposed to that's the real problem. It's the amount and kind of radiation that's absorbed over a certain length of time. For example, alpha particles coming from outside of your body from some radioactive source are too large and slow to penetrate your skin. Similarly, beta particles can be blocked by just a few layers of clothing. In contrast, gamma rays can penetrate your body without any trouble at all, causing widespread damage. Now, on the other hand, if you were to eat or breathe something that emits alpha particles or beta particles, the soft tissue inside your body can't block that radiation, so it would be affected. Now, a lot of the confusion about how much radiation is too much comes from the fact that scientists have about a dozen different units for measuring radiation, depending on exactly what they want to measure about it. More confusing is that some of these units have changed meaning over the years, and some sources get the conversions between the units mixed up. Well, rather than make you suffer through several more definitions, I'll just tell you that there are two measurements which quantify the amount of damage caused by radiation, which take into account how each type of radiation differs in its ability to affect biological tissue. Most of the world uses sieverts, abbreviated SV, for this measurement. Unfortunately, just like its obsession with feet, Fahrenheit, and furlongs, the United States and organizations located there tend to use rims instead of sieverts. Fortunately, it's easy enough to convert between the two because 100 rems equals 1 sievert. Now, how many sieverts of radiation someone can absorb before they start to have problems actually varies slightly from person to person. But rather than talk more about sieverts or rims, I'm going to introduce a more familiar analogy to help keep things in perspective. Let's pretend that the laws of the universe have rearranged themselves so that every time you're exposed to ionizing radiation, you also earn some money. In this new and more profitable universe, We'll say that one sievert of radiation is worth $1,000. If the average person earns about $100 in radiation money during a short time period, their blood chemistry will start to be affected. At about $500, they'll start to experience nausea and vomiting. And at somewhere between $800 to $1,000, they'll start to see hair loss and internal hemorrhaging. A payout of $4,000 or higher during a short time period is typically fatal. Now, there's no way to shield your body from all forms of radiation. 
Even if you live in an underground box made of lead, living off tofu and distilled water, your body will still experience radiation. That's because every day, you're bombarded with cosmic radiation from space, radiation from radon in the ground, and even radiation that occurs naturally inside of your own body. Depending on where you live and whom you ask, you'll earn about 2 to $3 in radiation money each year from what we call natural background radiation. Ah, I hear you saying. But what about those x-rays and mammograms and MRIs and CT scans? Surely all the radiation does more harm than good. These doctors are trying to kill me. Well, continuing with our monetary analogy, the average chest x-ray adds only about 2 cents to your annual total. Mammograms have about 20 times the exposure, which is still only 40 cents. And MRIs don't expose you to ionizing radiation at all. Radiation from CT scans vary depending on the type, but the average cranial CT scan earns you about $2 in radiation money. It's important to remember that these numbers only deal with acute radiation poisoning. But what about the long-term risk of cancer caused by radiation exposure? According to the EPA, an average of 2,000 out of every 10,000 adults will unfortunately die from some form of cancer. Well, if you take those 10,000 adults and expose everyone in the group to an extra $10 of radiation over the course of a year, that number will jump to about 2,005 people. This is why x-ray technicians hide behind a wall when giving you an x-ray, since they might have to administer thousands of exams every year, whereas you may only experience a handful. So what about the Fukushima disaster? Well, it's still a little early to know the exact effects of the Fukushima disaster, but understandably, everyone in Japan now seems to own their own personal Geiger counter. Unfortunately, this has led to some contradictory information circulating in the media. More trustworthy reports of recent measurements, taken around August 13th of 2011, show that the area around Fukushima itself was experiencing about 6 cents worth of radiation every hour. One village, 20 kilometers to the northwest of Fukushima, where the fallout was particularly heavy, reported three cents worth of radiation every hour. So while the residents in and around Fukushima are certainly at risk from elevated levels of radiation, those further away, like residents of California, have little to worry about. Well, once again, science has come to our rescue to help separate fact from fiction. If you have any questions about today's episode or suggestions for future episodes, you can send me an email at everydayeinstein at quickanddirtytips.com or follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash qdteinstein. Until next time, I'm Lee Phelan with the Everyday Einstein's Quick and Dirty Tips for Making Sense of Science. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.